first season of it though okay just yeah I, I well actually there's one the third season actually talks about the um, like the Cleveland well it talks about like judicial systems in general but they actually like came to Cleveland oh. and studied issues with with our particular system and then you know anyway mm. so that was interesting to me just yeah I was living here when, yeah. when that was out <laughs> yeah <laughs> believe we're live. Um, so hello everyone and welcome to our pastor's Bible study. I am Pastor Smith. We've got Pastor Josh also, my co-pilot here today, <laughs> as we are going through uh, Philippians chapter 1. So in our Read Scripture Challenge this week, we, we did just the very end of Galatians and then now we're getting into Ephesians and then later in the week, um, you know, Philippians will be what we're going to go through. So it's, yeah, you make your way through these short letters, um, you know, boom, boom, boom. You can, you know, if you remember maybe from the Old Testament, sometimes we do those minor prophets and we get through four, you usually like read four books of the Bible in a week. Well, in the New Testament, you can get, yeah, like maybe two, maybe three books done also. Um, and so there's just so much. I mean, I, I kind of alluded to it on Sunday. Um, so many things that we could choose from, from Ephesians and Philippians. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Ephesians chapter 2 especially is, is so famous. Uh, but I thought, you know, Philippians today would be good. I even, I heard you say that that's one of your favorite books of the Bible, too. Your favorite. Number, number one. Number one yeah, in the rankings when I, when I said in okay. worship that I had to confess and confess my sin of uh, jealousy before yeah. God that you got to preach on it. Yeah. I, I was a little bit serious. Like, <laughs> I love Philippians. Philippians yeah. is... Uh, is such a great book, um, mm. you know. As as you read it, the the one thing that you know I, we're going through in our uh, high school Bible study, you know, during our discipleship hour, we're going flip through Philippians as well. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I told them when you read it, what you should be thinking about the the theme of it is joy. Mm -hmm. You know, Paul is under house arrest. You know, he's he talks about it. We'll get to it. You know. Mm -hmm. Deciding about like, is it better for me to live or die? You know, he's had a he's had a rough life. Like, mm -hmm. you know, in Second Corinthians, he lists all these things that he's experienced: beating, shipwreck, stonings, yeah. persecution, all this stuff. He's seen things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in that, he has joy. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I don't know if we'll get to it today or not. So I'll just mention it. You know, I, I don't think we talk enough as Christians about what Christian joy means. You know, because mm -hmm. You know, we're getting to the season where we talk about joy a lot. You know, mm -hmm. Christmas bringing people joy, but yeah, you know, joy, biblical joy, is not a feeling. Mm. You know, in in how we talk about joy in the world, it's kind of like happiness. It's maybe a deeper happiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But happiness is circumstantial. Mm -hmm. You know, you get in a car accident, you're probably not going to be happy. You lose a loved one you're not going to be happy but mm -hmm. joy is this deeply rooted mm -hmm. uh this, this it's almost like an anchor you know like mm -hmm. the you know you know what is coming at the end and that helps guide you through and so uh 
that is is throughout this book and yeah it, it's just it's it's such a great book and it's a, a good book too where it's not like Romans where it's you know, you got to read it two or three times. Like it's mm. it's a it's an easy read, which yeah, comparatively for yes. sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't. Yeah, it seems more. Well, we'll get we'll get into it, but yeah, it, it's not as like doctrine or teaching heavy. Mm-hmm. Where I mean, yeah, Romans is just like Paul laying out, you know, deep theological points. Um, I mean, not that he you know doesn't like. This isn't like some kind of easy watered down thing, but it but it's more like it's a little more personal, pastoral, yeah. rather than kind of like academic. It's more of a level one hundred and one, yeah, yeah, comparatively. But yeah, still, a lot exactly. of great stuff, as, as you know, alluded to. Mm-hmm. Philippians two contains, I think, one of the most important pa- uh, passages of scripture. Period. Talking about humility. Yeah, well, see, now you're talking about stuff that we're not going to talk about today. I know. I'm so, just... But good thing people are going to read it yeah. uh, later this week. So, yeah, enjoy. Yeah, yeah there is... Yeah, there's only four chapters in Philippians. Um, but there's a, a famous... There's either there's at least either a famous verse or a famous little chunk of verses in all four chapters. Yeah. Uh, two and four being probably the most famous with the, you know, this... We think it's like a like a hymn, like an ancient hymn or a poem about Christ's humility. You know um, how every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that you know Jesus as Lord. And then Philippians four. Uh, well, we're going to talk about. I, I'm going to have a little bit of that on Thanksgiving here in, in just a couple of weeks. But uh, but we're in chapter one today. Okay, so we're going to start off with Trying chapter to derail one. Us, but you're not going to let. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah, yeah. You, you were doing a good job. Yeah, yeah. We, I, I don't know. It would take us too long. It would yeah. take us too long to do all four. That's why. Yeah. We could do we chapter could do a, a week, a four week sermon series on it, and mm-hmm. be like, there's just there's so much. It's really a great book, and really, really hope that you're uh, reading along with us, and and especially enjoy this one. Yeah. Enjoy all of them. But Philippians. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're kind of biased, so. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. Pastor Josh, would you read the first uh, the first eleven verses from right. Philippians chapter one? Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, for you are making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment, so you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. All right, so thanks. We have read a, a decent amount of the New Testament letters now. we still got still got a good chunk of them left here over the next, you know, five, six weeks, whatever. But how would you describe normally, like, when... Um, like when Paul or someone else starts off a letter in the New Testament, how would you describe how that typically goes? Uh, there's, you know, uh, 
it, it starts off by kind of saying who it is that this letter is coming from. Because, you know, mm -hmm. it's important to remember that these are letters. They were letters to specific people before they were books in the Bible. Yes, um, yes, exactly. And <laughs> so... We're reading other people's mail, yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a way. Yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. true. Um, it's a federal offense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, first it's, it's saying who it is that this is from and who it's to. And then, you know, the, the greeting... Uh, the, the greeting in Christ, which, you know, pay attention, especially in our uh, traditional services, a lot of times, mm -hmm. one of us pastors will open with one of the ways that Paul opens his book, yeah. you know, like this one, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's pretty... Yeah, we've got very little original material. Yeah. <laughs> That's really... Yeah, they're, they're, Paul is outing us. He's yeah. like, hey, I, I made that up 2,000 years ago, guys. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the general format. And I think, you know, especially just coming off of Galatians, uh, mm -hmm. it's a very different tone. Probably... Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Dare I say the most two polar opposite greetings from Paul? Mm. You know, maybe there's a different one, but, you know, in Galatians, Paul does his little greeting that we just had, and then right away, I'm astonished that you are so quickly, uh, you know, I forget exactly how it says, but like chasing after another gospel or mm. believing in another gospel, and, you know, he just lays into him, and here, I thank my God in remembrance for you. You know, talking about praying for them, mm -hmm. talking about how he yearns to be with them mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the typical is, is the greeting, who it's from, who it's to. And then, uh, you know, it, it varies based on the, the reason for why he's writing them. You mm -hmm. know, in this book, he's thankful. You know, he talks about, later on, he talks about how they uh, provided for him. You know, mm -hmm. they provided money to, to help support him. And, you know, he's, he's overcome with, uh, with thankfulness, you know. And so, uh, yeah, Paul is a human, and he, uh, he greets people in the same way that we would. You know, sometimes mm. it's, you know, we're just, we're just so thankful, you know, for, I mean, we don't really send letters like this too much anymore, but mm -hmm. when we do, or when we did, you know. Yeah. You you got some exciting news. You wanna you know we're pregnant or you know yeah. I got engaged or mm -hmm. whatever you know so yeah yeah no absolutely I, I you kind of alluded to it I you know the difference between like Galatians and and Philippians I think a lot of times yeah there there was a you know it, it's kind of like if you today yeah if if you do send a letter or if you make a phone call or if you send an email or something. Uh, a lot of times, you know, you might make a little like small talk or something, or it might be kind of kind of a, a formal way to to start off. You know, like, like if you answer the phone, if I call, I don't, I usually will at least say like, "Hey, how's it going?" or something before I yeah. just be like, "Hey, are you doing this?" or you know, can, you know, um, maybe it depends on the level of urgency yeah. or something. But but I think a lot of times in the letters there is yeah, you know, five, ten verses or something where it's kind of like this customary greeting and it. It sounds sometimes kind of generic, I guess, not in a bad way, but just like here's a polite, formal greeting, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, but I, I do think that this one is it has a little more personal touch to it. Hmm. Like like you're saying, I think Paul is he has a deep love and appreciation for these people, mm -hmm. and and he's not you can tell he's not really writing this. Um, with a specific like 
corrective action in mind, I think. I mean, there, there's like some encouragement, mm-hmm. but like with Corinthians, it's like he's got a list of things that he he's having like as their, you know, spiritual father from afar. He's trying to set them straight, and I don't really see that as much in here. Now, I mean, there's there's some things, some teaching that he that he gives, but it's a little bit different than like Galatians or Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Um, so, one of the one of the verses that I think uh, is well known, at least from this first passage, is um, verse six. Mm-hmm. So he says, "I am sure of this uh, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ." I think that's. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not. I have a sense that that's a pretty well known verse of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, what does it mean exactly? Well, I think, uh, you know, the, t- the fact that he talks about a good work, mm-hmm. you know, and, and bringing it to completion, you know, it's saying, you know, well, I'll throw, throw it back. I'll throw your, you ask me a question, I'll throw a question back to you. Mm-hmm. What, is, what is a good work that, that Jesus created in us? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's yeah. faith. There, yeah. You know, there, that's the, the only good work that, uh, you know, like the, the the Holy Spirit produces good works in us, but when he's talking about a good work that Jesus started, you know that's that's a gift of faith. That's the good work that's acceptable before God. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nothing that we do, and you know this really puts the onus on uh, on Jesus. He who began it will yeah. bring it to completion. And mm-hmm. and you know what what a great uh, reminder of. Just you know, talking about I think that goes well with Ephesians two eight and nine. You yeah. know, the fact that it's a, a gift. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's just uh, finding another way to say, hey, this is not this is not anything about what you're doing. This is mm-hmm. this is Jesus who started it and who is going to finish it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think um, you know to use the big theological terms like justification and sanctification, you know, Paul is talking to people who have been justified, you know, made righteous by grace through faith in Christ. So that that's his audience here and he's alluding to yeah, the work the the ongoing work of God um that sanctify, you know. I I guess yeah, I, I like I like it from the standpoint of it helps us acknowledge there's not going to be a point in time in this life that we're going to be done. Like, God's not going to be done with us from the standpoint of, like, well, I have achieved a certain level of Christianity that now I'm basically God on earth or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, I think it, it's an encouraging... I, I think this, this verse, to me, it encourages me and it humbles me. <laughs> um, and actually, I, I don't know... I'll, I'll throw this out there. Um, in, the, in the traditional liturgy, you know, when a pastor... Um, you know, an ordained person will say, you know, like pronounce the absolution, you know, I forgive all your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, but like when, I don't know, maybe this wasn't the case, but like when, like when I was a vicar or when I was a seminarian and I got to do that part of the service, there's a different form um, for the absolution. And it, it actually, and it includes this verse, mm-hmm. you know, he who began a good work and, you, you know, will bring it to completion at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's like, Acknowledging that your sins are forgiven, and yet also because you're not finished, next week you're going to confess your sins again, <laughs> and God's you know this this is going to be an ongoing work of sanctification. 
Um, so Paul kind of, you know, slipping that in there that that it's an encouragement, but also a humility that, like, yeah, yeah, you guys are still, you're still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Like Paul would say the same thing about himself, too. I mean, and he does say it in chapter 3, mm-hmm. you know, when he talks about the, um, not that I have already attained these things, but I keep striving on, so I think it kind of, you know, carries that theme on. Um, encouragement to keep following Jesus and, and stay connected to him and stay connected as the body of Christ, hearing the gospel. Um, so, so yeah, I, I do... I love like these openings to the letters. I think that again, there's they're kind of a standard form to them, but especially this one, I think it has a has a personal beauty mm-hmm. from Paul. So, any, anything else on on this beginning portion? Um, no. <laughs> All right, we'll 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 move on then. Um, so, Pastor Josh, if you read, well, let's take a, a little chunk of verses now, verses 12 through 18. Just kind of like finish that section. I know verse 18 mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, you know, he knows. Yeah. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really, uh, has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Uh, The former uh, proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict, uh, afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. All right. Um, so this is, uh, yeah, there, there's some good stuff in here. And we, we did, we kind of buried the lead, I think, in, I mean, Paul Paul addressed it, but we didn't, we haven't really talked about it yet uh, too much, that he is, he is in prison, you know, he's, he's not free. He's not a free man here. You know, it's, <coughs> yeah, we think it is more like, like a house arrest kind of situation, but still, like, he's not able to do what he wants to do. Yeah, he He's, says he wants he you know, he yearns to uh, you know, to be with them. He, yeah. he wants to go there. Yeah, yeah. And and we're once we go to the next section, it's gonna become clear um, that, that most people believe that he didn't really know what if he was gonna just get to go free. You know, he's he's a prisoner and he thought, you know, that, that there was a good chance that he was going to be condemned to die at this point. Now, I mean, that does happen down the road, mm-hmm. uh, but not not right here. So, so there really is this. Um, it, it's even more impactful that there's a joy that he has, even with his future being very uncertain mm-hmm. uh, and kind of scary. <laughs> so, but but what does he share here? What are what's some good news coming as a result of his imprisonment? That you know, as a result of his imprisonment, people are coming to know Christ. You know, it's, uh, God is working through him being there and through his through his joy, really. You know, you could say, um, and people are coming to know Christ. You know, the, it says throughout the whole imperial guard, mm-hmm. my imprisonment is for Christ. So, like people are starting, it's really spread where everybody's like, oh yeah. Paul, he's, he's, I don't know how they would say it, like he's suffering, he's there because of Christ, or he's mm-hmm. there for Christ, or however, but yeah, it's, it's getting, it's gone around. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and you can imagine <clears throat> Paul's disposition in contrast with other people that these guards would have seen being imprisoned. I mean, Paul, you know, it's like when you're imprisoned for the sake of a, a cause that you're that passionate about, like that Paul has devoted his entire life to. Um, yeah, he's Paul's trusting that even in prison, God's still going to use it for good. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes me, let's try to read my mind here, it makes me think of uh, another biblical figure um, that God also used a similar situation um, way back. Joseph. Yeah. <laughs> Which one? No. <laughs> not, not Jesus' dad. Not Jesus' dad, yeah. So, so Joseph, um, you know, son of Jacob, you know. Uh, so back, yeah, back in the book of Genesis, we also see, you know, Joseph being, you know, falsely imprisoned in Egypt and and I mean that that verse at the end where Joseph says, you know, um, talking to his brothers, you know, you meant this all for evil to get me out of the picture, but God meant this for good. Um, and even some of the stuff that, that Joseph does when he's in prison, you know, he's you know interpreting dreams that you know God has given to him. He's you know kind of like incur- well, he gives bad news to the baker, but good news to the cupbearer. I think I got that right. I have a fifty-fifty chance. I think I, I think I got it the right way. <laughs> Say it with confidence. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But so we, we just we see this all throughout the scriptures that God can turn around terrible situations and use them for good. And I know, I mean, people, I mean, some of you that are, that are studying Philippians along with us today um, and other people that I've talked to, people share all kinds of stories sometimes like where God uses bad circumstances for good. People have shared, I'm sure like you've heard, you know, having to go to the hospital like for chemotherapy treatments and being able to share like the, the faith that you have in Christ like with nurses or with other people in, you know, the, in the waiting room and how God can use even like suffering to shine the brightness of, of the gospel you know, out, out from you. Uh, it's powerful to hear those things. Um, but yeah, any, anything else on, on the, this particular topic? Well, yeah, kind of like what you were just talking about. We mm-hmm. talked about it this morning. Uh, you know, my brother is currently in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wrongfully, um, but he also throughout his life he's made many choices that are also put himself there. He's somebody who he I saw him growing up, kind of being like a, a Paul or like a Saul. Okay. And through his being in jail, he's come to know Christ. You know, mm-hmm. like it. I wouldn't. Out of everybody I know, he would be one of the last people I'd ever expect. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, uh, imprisonment, you know, yeah. kind of fitting that we're talking about that. He, God used that and, uh, you know, he, he's leading Bible studies, mm-hmm. you know, reaching other people with the gospel. And just like, you know, God works through what we would see as literally impossible situations. Like, how, mm-hmm. could, how could this possibly be good? Yeah. And God is... Is like, well, might not seem like it's good to you, but I've got something bigger going on mm-hmm. here. And so, uh, yeah, you know, just going back to, to Romans, uh, the, the, what Paul says in Romans 8, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Yeah, We're yeah. Paul according to his purpose. And this is really, uh, you know, I'm sure 
I would not be surprised if Paul was reminding himself of that during this time. Mm-hmm. You know, uncertainty, yeah. maybe. Well, I think he talks about being anxious. Uh, maybe it's maybe I'm getting this mixed up with a uh, a different maybe like the end of uh, uh, middle of Galatians or there's somewhere where he talks about being anxious. You know, he's he's a human. He's mm-hmm. worried about okay, am I <laughs> in the range of outcomes? Am I going to die or am I going to be set free? You know. Yeah. And just reminding himself, hey, whatever happens, God's working this. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, verse, yeah, you know, just continuing on with the, the theme of God working good through it. Um, verse 14, Paul says that, you know, most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. And now they're much more bold to speak the word without fear. So, I mean, there is this sense, I, I think, sometimes we talk about this, like in the early church when people were being martyred, you know, killed for their faith. Mm-hmm. You would, you know, that could go one of two ways. It could go, you know, like, well, Paul got killed and Stephen got killed and these other you guys got killed. I'm just going to go hide. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go, the disciples, you know, for fear of the Jews, lock themselves in. Um, I'm going to go lock myself in, but it doesn't, that's not the way that it goes. It goes that people are actually more bold. And we see that even in some other, you know, modern day examples of nations where it's very difficult. There's intense persecution for being a Christian. Um, now, I mean, there might be some like underground, so to speak, ways that they're having worship, you know, like, it would be kind of foolish to just go out in the town square and have a worship service so you get like you know gunned down right away. Mm-hmm. But um, but there's still there's a boldness that I think it, it spurs people on to know God is doing stuff um, even when like one of our leaders seems to be incapacitated. Um, he's God still mm-hmm. the word is still spreading through um, and kind of off of that same thing. Then God taking bad things or bad intentions and turning them for good. Yeah. Paul shifts gears here and and talks about how some are preaching Christ from from envy and rivalry, um, you know, not sincerely, uh, in pretense. So how are we supposed to think about that? If I, I guess first of all, like like I, it makes it's kind of difficult for me to think of of an example of preaching Christ. For the wrong reasons, I mean, maybe maybe, maybe you guys are thinking, like, what, what would be a wrong reason to preach Christ? Um, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe explore that a little bit. The only thing I can think of, and I could see it being with when it, when it says envy. Yeah, is you know, people are seeing, or you know, there are others who are you know opposed to Paul who are seeing how people follow him, mm-hmm. and so you know, they're they're like, well, I. I want to have a following, mm-hmm. you know, and we've, we've seen that with, you know, there have been pastors who, you know, they, they're in it for, you know, th- this is more so with bigger churches, you know, not as much with smaller churches, but, yeah. you know, they're in it for the limelight, you know, they want, mm-hmm. they like the recognition and the, the prestige that comes with being a, a good, well-known pastor kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, um, that that's what comes to my mind, but yeah, it's kind of difficult to to make heads and tails of that. Like what? what yeah, is, yeah. What was he? Mean? What specifically was he talking about? Because he even says, yeah, um, in verse seventeen, he says that some of them are proclaiming Christ out of rivalry, thinking to afflict me. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know exactly what that. Yeah, we we don't really know exactly what he's trying to say, but but I, I do think um, there are 
there, there was a book that I had to read uh, in seminary, and it talked about some of the uh, personality types that gravitate more toward certain uh, professions, one of them being like public ministry, like pastoral ministry, and sometimes it can be more of a draw for like for a narcissist or, or other um, people that, that struggle, you know, that, that maybe, yeah, that they kind of want the limelight or they want it to be all about them. Maybe it's pride, it's ambition, it's glor- earthly glory or something. Um, and you see, I mean, there, there are some, I mean, we see this all the time. Well, not all the time, but we see it way too often where like celebrity pastors will, will fail. You know, they'll fail morally or they'll, they'll do something that can really like run the good name of Christ into the mud. Mm-hmm. Um, but then even so, um, you know, set, set some of those things aside, even if sometimes people might get into like ministry for the wrong reasons, the fact that Christ is still being proclaimed, I guess Paul is saying, well, we should still rejoice upon that. Yeah. Um, that your pastors, well, you know, you know, on one hand, I mean, yeah, definitely, your pastors are not perfect, um, obviously, <laughs> but still, uh, Christ is being proclaimed. Now, sometimes, I mean, there, there would be some examples where Christ is not being proclaimed in the right way. It's a false Christ or something, but that's not really what Paul's saying. He's saying, like, these... That you know, he says he's going to rejoice that Christ is still being proclaimed. The gospel can be proclaimed, even if the the mouthpiece of the gospel is seriously um, has some problems. With yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I think um, you know it it does it does matter in the long run when you think about um, when Paul talks about the qualifications for overseers and stuff like that. Like he mm-hmm. he talks about. Pastors, you know, and, and this is people proclaiming the gospel of Christ can be different from pastors, but you know, mm-hmm. we're kind of talking about pastors. Uh, the standard is going to be higher, mm-hmm. you know, like what how you how you led your people and, and what you did, like that's on a higher, higher scale, so to speak. Not that, not that the pastor is any more important, mm-hmm. but it's the role that God has called them to, and God is a very uh. It's a very important role, mm-hmm. right? So to, to distinguish between the person and the role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we need to take that seriously. And, you know, when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, the, the love chapter that's mm-hmm. in every wedding, mm-hmm. you know, if we think about what it's actually saying, you know, you can do all these things. You can proclaim all the mysteries of God, but if you've not done it with love, you've done nothing. Yeah. And so really it... Uh, is God going to work through his word when it's proclaimed even for the wrong reasons? Yes. Mm-hmm. But also, like, your intentions are between you and God. Yeah. You know, when Jesus comes back, he's going to, all of our actions, all of everything that we did is going to be on display. And we're going to have to give an account for it. Not to say that, uh, you know, somebody who has done something wrong is going to be, going to go to hell for it. You know, we <laughs> We all have done plenty wrong. It's mm-hmm. you know we're we're still justified yeah. you know, if we if we confess Jesus if we believe in Jesus. But there is an aspect too. Why are you doing what you're doing and, and mm-hmm. you know having to give an answer when when Jesus comes back to judge? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, my my mind just as a quick little aside here. I think on topic here, but um, 
my mind also went to Jonah, uh, not your son, but the, <laughs> the Old Testament prophet, mm-hmm. where this guy, I mean, he wasn't like necessarily preaching Christ, but he was preaching repentance unto, you know, the mercy of God to the Ninevites. He didn't, he was preaching it for the wrong reasons. He was preaching it hoping that they would just, you know, reject it and be destroyed. He probably didn't And yet all. they heard it yeah. through, you know, through this guy who, like, his heart was, like, you would say, not in the message. Um, he did everything he could to not, not give that message to he the He probably Ninevites. said it, like, muffled and, like, not yeah. wholeheartedly. Repent, God's going to destroy you. And they're like, what? <laughs> what? Okay. And he's like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he probably wanted to say, like, oh, you guys are doing just fine. Yeah. Um, but still, but God, God uses that uh, that message even through him and and through broken pastors and, and other and other people. Not just pastors, it's it's anyone, anyone who proclaims Christ. Yeah. You know, I yeah. to briefly just talk about that, there's a, a Christian rap song mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that uh, by one of my favorite artists who has a line that really sits out. There's a pun there, not intended. But he talks about even crooked stri- sticks draw straight lines. Mm. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're all crooked sticks in that in an analogy of like, we're all we're all sinners. Mm-hmm. But God uses us to still tr- draw a straight line. You know, yeah. and, and mm. it's a yeah. God works through through our good intentions and through our not so good intentions. Yeah. He's going to accomplish what he wants. Yeah, amen to that. And, and that's what Paul's talking about right here, yeah. Um, okay, well, let, let's go forward then. So he he ended that section by saying that he rejoices, but then uh, he's going to rejoice some more. Yeah, I'll, I'll read this one. So we're uh, going to read verses, starting with verse 19, just through the end of the chapter, so through verse 30. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ... This will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. All right, lots of stuff there. But I want to go back to the first few verses because I think this is another passage that we remember where it's kind of the Paul, should I stay or should I go? <laughs> if Pastor um, Bieber was here, he'd be singing he'd that He'd be singing it. Yeah, I know. Um, so I think that this, um, 
this is something that Christians, you know, good Christian folk talk about too sometimes, especially as we get advanced in years. I think we, you know, start to to really identify with what Paul is saying. Um, is it better to stay here, maybe for whatever purpose Christ still has in store for me, um, or is it is it better to go and just be with Him? Um, so, I don't know what what is what's Paul trying to say here, and how can Christians kind of wrestle with these things too in a in a God pleasing manner? I guess. Yeah, well, I think he's you know highlighting what he talks about. You know, in Romans twelve, one of the places that comes to mind is how this is not our not our home. This is not mm-hmm. where you know, we're we're strangers here. We're this is not where our eternal home is. And so, you know, as Christians, we should want that. We should want to go to be with Christ. We should mm-hmm. like it's not bad to want to be rid of the suffering that yeah. exists here. But also realizing that, you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure that you know every Christian has thought this or said it to somebody else. You know, if God has you here, or if you're still living, God has you here for a purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's whether or not people think it's cliche, it's it's yeah. true. You know, God, who is the author of our of our lives, who knows exactly how many days, minutes, seconds we live, has us here, and and when you know, when he decides that, okay, it's it's time, then then he's going to bring us home. But until then, we have work to do. And so, uh, you know, Paul is is conflicted. Now, I don't I don't think in a way of it's not like a should I end my life or should I not? Yeah, it's yeah. just like I think I think of Paul like if if you know you could you could if he were to express what he was feeling, just like I'm tired. Mm-hmm. You know, I just. I I want to go home, yeah. kind of thing. And how I think about Paul, especially right here, is like if you were to stand in a door frame, you got one room here and one room here, mm-hmm. and he's got one foot on each side of the door frame. Yeah. You know, he's he, he's longing to go to heaven, and he's thinking about that, mm-hmm. but he's also got one foot in this present world. Yeah. And and this part is drawing him. Towards heaven, but it's also what's keeping him here and what's mm-hmm. helping him to to still be here as well. Mm. And so yeah. it's a. I guess you could add it to the list of tensions that we yeah. as Christians yeah, exactly. live with. Yeah. Well, I I think that's, that's a good point. I think in a sense, um, all of us kind of have one foot in eternity and one foot here in the present world too. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's that's the that's the danger. It's the uh, yeah. It's the tension of okay. We know like where we're headed, but just because we know like what our eternal outcome is going to be, don't neglect the work that God has given for you to do in your various callings here. Uh, but then also you want to live in your present callings with an eye and a heart toward the future. Mm-hmm. So kind of like how do I live in view of what I know is going to happen eventually. You know, Christ's going to return, you know, um, he's going to restore all things, so how can I... And we kind of talked about that with the that topic with the First Corinthians chapter 15 and, you know, the, the resurrection and what do we still do, you know? Our labor is not in vain uh, in this life. 
So, it, yeah, and, and like you said, uh, you kind of pointed out just briefly, this is not like Paul, um, he's not like having suicidal thoughts here. Uh, he's just, it's more of like kind of a thought experiment and, well, but, but it's, it's really hitting home for him because he really doesn't know, you know, if they could come to the door any time and say, actually, you're going to be executed tomorrow or something, mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, he could go free. Um, so I, I think, I, I read it that he, he has come to a, a peace about whatever God's will is for him, uh, which is, is difficult for us to do sometimes. Um, not, not even just like when it comes to life or death, but even just at any, any point in your life where there's maybe like a crossroads uh, moment or something like, well, let me pray about this, let me reflect upon this and, and trust that God is going to do good either way. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but, but I think that, yeah, I don't know. So, so what, what does he conclude then? Um, that it's better to, to be here, to, um, you know, 25, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for the progress and joy and faith, or for your progress and joy and faith. Yeah. So he, reala he realizes that, he comes to the conclusion that, you know, hopefully we as Christians and, you know, especially as people do, you know, I, I'm sure you've heard it a number of times, you do somebody who is getting older and they're mm -hmm. like, I just want to go home, you know, that, yeah. you know, God is, has got things that, you know, going back to Ephesians 2.10, things mm -hmm. that he has created in advance for you to do that, you know, he has called you to do your, your life that impacts other people in a way that other people don't, mm. you know, God has a purpose. And, um, and, and so, yeah, he, he comes to that realization that it is better for him to, to be here for their, uh, for their faith, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. He he's so focused on on other people that he, um, and I think also, you know, he says in verse nineteen, um, I know that this this will turn out for my deliverance. So I think he is still confident that you know he is going to get out of this imprisonment. Um, although you could also say his I deliverance. See, okay, you think? Yeah, I I, I think. It could be. It could have a double meaning, yeah. where he knows he's going to be delivered one way or the other. Mm -hmm. um, which is sometimes you know you'll hear people say, you know, you're praying for a loved one for healing, you know, again and again, and God really does answer that prayer one way or the other. Either He takes them to be with Him, heals them from their earthly suffering, or He brings about physical healing in this life, and you know they go on. So. Um, Maybe that's a little bit of a cop-out, but I don't think it is. I, <laughs> I, I think it checks out. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I'm really just always captivated by this passage and just the way that, kind of, that Paul just opens up his inner thoughts about this and kind of his prayer life, I think, about this. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, you know, if God's going to make me live longer in this life, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope to come and see you Philippians again. And encourage you uh, in the faith, and and he and he does that here. You know, he's in, encouraging uh, verse twenty-seven. You know, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Uh, I don't know that phrasing makes me kind of nervous as a Lutheran pastor. You know, I'm supposed to be worthy of the gospel. I, I don't know if you have a, a good answer for, for what that means exactly. 
Um, but that, but there's other encouragements too. And um, but yeah, I think that that's kind of a striking phrase. You know, be worthy of the gospel of Christ, no matter what what is coming to you. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, you know, obviously, we're made worthy mm-hmm. by Christ, and so now it's like a live like you were made worthy. You know, mm-hmm. like you were made worthy, now live like it. Yeah. yeah. You know, live uh, the holy life that God calls his people to. Yeah. yeah. And so it's... Be one, who you are now. Yeah. You're right? Yeah. 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 And it's it's one of those things that I think, you know, there are a number of times when Jesus, you know, I just think about uh, when he says, you know, if somebody asks you for your tunic also give them or your cloak also give them your tunic if mm-hmm. somebody you know all you know somebody yeah. slaps you on the one cheek turn in the other yeah. and you know there are a lot of things where Jesus is talking and it's like okay so I'm supposed to literally give everything away to everybody I ask or everybody who asks for it well no mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also yeah <laughs> and so it's yeah. you know it's this balance go there again it's this tension of mm-hmm. being a Christian of of striving per, for the perfection that you know the striving to live like Christ the perfection of Christ knowing that we're not but also not settling for less just because we know we're not mm-hmm. and so yeah it's it's one of those challenging things that uh, we, we we do our best and we repent when we don't and we Continue to strive to be better, to yeah. live in a worthy manner of the gospel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I my mind also went to another another place where we use the word worthy is uh, you know in the catechism we talk. Well, I mean, man, Paul uses it too um, in First Corinthians, but to be worthy to receive the sacrament and and what and what's the only way that we're worthy to to take the body and blood of Christ? It's by faith, yeah. right? By faith in the, in His words. Um, so again, yeah, it's not like we. There is like that sanctified living, you know, by faith, fruits of the spirit, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a it's maybe a, not the word that you know it, we would use to describe it, but it, it is a word that um, that Paul uses here. And then at the very end, he says they're going to suffer. But we yeah. won't linger on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but because then, then he goes in and talks about Christ Himself also suffering, mm-hmm. you know, humbling Himself to the point of dying on a cross, and yeah, you know, I mean, you, the more you follow Jesus, the more your life is going to look like His. Mm-hmm. And Paul, Paul finds that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, so Philippians chapter one, guys, a lot in there. Yeah. Um, we were really gabbing about this today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This um, isn't even one of the, the meteor chapters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thanks for joining us here. Yeah, for for Philippians chapter one. Uh, you're so looking ahead to to the weekend though. You're going to be talking about Colossians, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we would love to have you join us for worship, and I don't give us like a ten second. I think uh, Paul, the the summary of the book might be when Paul says, focus on things above, not things below. Mm-hmm. And just how, uh, you know, he even explicitly says, well, everything we do, you know, or do everything you do as if though you are serving Christ instead mm-hmm. of man. And I think that 
there's a lot of truth for us in that. Changes your whole outlook, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, this weekend, it's, it's actually this weekend, uh, so the, you know, November 21st is the Sunday, um, it's the final Sunday of the church year. So we're, we're getting into, we're getting close to the holiday season now. I mean, we got, you know, Thanksgiving a week from Thursday. Uh, so we'll have, uh, you know, our Thanksgiving worship services on Wednesday the 24th, 7 p.m., Thursday morning, 10 a.m., and then that next Sunday, the 28th, is, it kicks off the season of Advent. And then, then it's going to be Christmas before we know it. Uh, so a wonderful time mm-hmm. of year to, to prepare for the coming Christ child. And yeah, so come worship with us and keep, keep on keeping on here with the Read Scripture Challenge because we're getting into the, the last of the New Testament. So thanks, Pastor Josh. Thanks for joining us and blessings on the rest of your day.